welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn Women's Basketball Podcast, the first episode of 2024, and unfortunately is going to sound like a lot of episodes that we recorded in 2023, and also 2022, and also 2021, because UConn has another injury, Aubrey Griffin goes down with a non-contact knee injury, we still, as of Tuesday night when we're recording this, do not know the specifics of it. That's almost certainly going to come out on Wednesday before UConn takes on Providence at the XL Center. But what we do know is that the Creighton doctor took a look at it, said that there is a lot of instability in the knee. Gino said today that he is not anticipating good news and everyone is just kind of expecting the worst. The way that Gino talks, the way that the players talk, all the vibes around it are that she's probably going to be out for the year. There is not a single thing that has occurred that makes it seem like there's any hope that she'll be back for the rest of this season. So I think it's it's fair to assume that's the case and um, it's all right to go forward. But again, to, to start off in an injury discussion, it just sucks. It's terrible. It keeps happening. And especially for someone like Aubrey Griffin, who had been playing the best basketball of her career by a wide margin, who very well could have been playing her last season at UConn. We don't know for sure. She still has an extra year of eligibility. But, you know, that could be the end of her UConn career if she decides to go pro, if, you know, the injury is worse than expected, if this or that. There's there's a lot of unknowns, but it's just... Another blow for this team, another blow for Aubrey, who's had injuries in the past. It, it's, it's just brutal. Yeah, I think especially a player that has gone through probably some of the brutalest stretch of injuries that you can with her back surgery and worked her way back from that. Like you said, playing the best basketball of her career and now to have this blow is just really unfortunate. And also unfortunate for this team as a whole one because they just keep having to go through this. And then they also really, it seemed like they were kind of rolling and finding their groove. And then this is just another step back. Obviously, basketball is secondary in situations like this. This, as we always say right before we go, okay, but let's talk about the (laughs) basketball impact of this because it is there and the games are still going to be played. The players are still going to keep going out there. And I think I have two sides of my take for what happens for UConn now that they don't have Aubrey Griffin. And and the first part is that I don't think it changes all that much in the short term because what Gino talked about today at practice is that they've really found their identity. And what that means is just everyone on the team has really started to figure out what they need to do for this to be successful. And yes, you take Aubrey out of that and there's going to be some readjustment but it's not like the season is over because Aubrey's hurt. It, it's a part of the part of the fabric of this team. But you still have Paige, you still have Aliyah, you still have Nika, you still have the freshmen. You're gonna need players to step up more. Like I think if if you're gonna take two players on this team to kind of replicate what you get from Aubrey, are Cadence and Ice not the perfect examples? Cadence is the long, athletic winger can probably shoot it a little bit more but my comparison for cadence for forever now has been aubrey griffin with more of a skill set than ice brady to help out with the way that aubrey griffin was playing down low the rebounds the defense 
just providing some support for Leah Edwards, either as a second big or to give her a breather. You have the pieces there to to mitigate that loss. You're never going to replace Aubrey, but you can at least figure it out. And I think they will figure it out because this team seems like it's in a really good place mentally. Obviously, there's heartbreak and disappointment with losing Aubrey, but I don't think it's going to shatter them the way that we saw at Texas or the way that we saw in the aftermath of Paige's injury two years ago at Georgia Tech. I don't think it'll be anything like that. I, I see them continuing to roll and play well, just maybe not being able to... They're not going to put up 44-point victories on ranked teams. Maybe it'll only be 30-point victories. But short-term, I don't think we're going to see a ton of difference. In the short term, especially like the schedule lightens up a little bit. Yes, you've got that Notre Dame game and like a South Carolina game looming for non-conference, but the schedule lightens up. So they've got a little bit of a window to adjust to it. And like you said, right now, the way they're playing, I think, yes, not having Aubrey changes some of that and like other players need to step up and help replace what she was adding. But I think you've got a starting group that's kind of clearly been able to contribute at a high level and is going to keep doing that. And you've you've got a margin for your bench players to take some time to to step up to fill in her shoes. Yeah, any team that has Paige back alone is going to have a chance. But then yeah, you still got Aaliyah. The freshmen are playing really well. Nika's added some new elements to her game, so they still have plenty of pieces. And it's not like, I mean. South Carolina is a different story, but yeah, I still feel pr- pretty good about this UConn team going up against that Notre Dame team, considering Agreed. what they've been through, who they have, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, even with, I think they did get Sonia Citron back last game, but they haven't beat a top 50 net team yet. I'm not overly concerned about that game for UConn. I, li- I like UConn's odds in it. Personally, I'm very glad that Notre Dame looks bad as uh, the Big Brain Geniuses decided to schedule that opposite the Connecticut Ice Championship <laughs> game. And if you're part of the 99% of the population that has no idea what I'm talking about, you probably know I cover UConn men's hockey as well. And every January, the four Division One Connecticut men's hockey program, UConn, Quinnipiac, Secret Heart, and Yale, play in a two-day tournament. The winner, champion of Connecticut. The final for that game is being played at the XL Center on Saturday night. I think it's a 7 o'clock puck drop, and then women start at 8 p.m. And it all goes well, UConn and defending national champions and two-time defending Connecticut Ice champions, Quinnipiac, will be meeting in the final. UConn has never won Connecticut Ice. UConn only ever won one trophy under the current coach, Mike Cavanaugh. They're on their home ice. This is the chance to win Connecticut ice. So I will be there instead of Notre Dame. (laughs) So that's just a long way of saying I'm very glad that Notre Dame doesn't look that good because if this was going to be like a one versus two matchup, then I would be in some sort of way, but I do not feel that way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I do have another side of the page with Aubrey Griffin being out, and I am not going so far as to say that I don't think they have any chance at winning a national championship and that we should just pack it in and call the season done now. But just look at the way this roster is now. This rotation now is constructed. You have Paige, Aaliyah, and Nika as the veterans, and then you're counting on four freshmen. KK and Ashland have been great. Then you've got 
Ice, who I think is, as we'll talk about later, maybe starting to come along, but needs to go a very long way. And Cadence, who I just don't see this season being any more than someone that you're hoping you get something big out of on a daily basis. She just doesn't like Aubrey as a freshman. You weren't going in to that NCAA tournament that never happened thinking, all right, well, Aubrey's going to be a factor in every single game. You're just hoping that she can be a factor when you need her. But I just think it's inevitable with that, with what's left of the roster, no Aubrey that eventually they're going to hit a point where they just literally don't have enough. There's only so far that you can strip this team down, and you especially look at the front court. Even if Ice becomes everything that Gino dreams of her being by the end of this year, that's still only two bigs. That's not a whole lot of flexibility to work with. You just, I just don't think there's going to be enough at a certain point. And maybe, you know, they get down in the Sweet 16, and that's when Cadence comes out and puts up. 15 points and gets you on to the elite eight or maybe that's in the elite eight like whenever that is but i i just think even if you get to the final four or you, you get to the championship game i think it's just inevitable that eventually they're gonna run out of gas uh, i don't know if run out of gas is the right word but they're they just won't have enough they won't have enough <laughs> either firepower they won't have enough defense they won't have enough rebounding i think it's just something is inevitably gonna break on this team and it's not going to be anyone's fault. It's just going to be the injury's fault because they aren't going to have enough. And I say that as a point of, I've really just started enjoying this team for what they are at this exact moment and what they can do in every single game and not the way it's always framed for you. The way Gino always thinks of it is what's it look like in March? What's it look like in March? I'm looking forward to Providence tomorrow because I'm really curious what they do. So, yeah, I'm not feeling super optimistic long-term about this team without Aubrey Griffin, but I am not concerning myself with the long-term right now either. Yeah, I feel like I've gone back and forth in my head on how I feel about this long-term. It definitely makes things harder. There's zero question about that. And, like, I think you were looking at a team that was coming into its own and with Aubrey Griffin on the bench, you were definitely talking about them as a championship contender. I agree with everything you said, but I think the one factor that's like, yeah, maybe they still could do it is this team still has Paige. And I think we've seen Paige kind of grow throughout the season, like to the point where she's at now, where in my opinion, at least, she looks like the best player in the country. I know that some people will probably disagree with that. She looks like the best player, best player on both ends of the floor. Or not necessarily like the de- best defensive player in the country, but the best two-way player in the country. Um, and maybe that's enough to get them there. I think most complete player in the country. Yeah, that's a good a word good way for it. it. Yeah. And yes, I agree. That is always where my brain goes to as well. Actually, not so much Paige, but more Aaliyah, because I think we saw last year, literally last year, that Iowa got to the championship game Mm -hmm. because Caitlin Clark was unbelievable. But if you run, like, if you run through all the scenarios and, you know, put that final four in a, a, uh, you know, if you could play that final four over and over and over and over again 
and like hit the reset button. It's not like these teams are playing best of seven series. You're just hitting the reset button every time. Is there a scenario where Iowa can actually win the national championship last year? Because I'm not all that sure with how little they had behind Caitlin Clark and with how bad their defense was. I mean, they got obliterated in that championship game. So I think Paige alone, yes, that can get them to the final four as it, as she largely did in her freshman year, although I don't want to erase Crystal Danger, oh, not Crystal Dangerfield, Kristen Williams' contributions there as well. And, you know, it wasn't just Paige putting the team on her back. I don't think Paige alone can get the team a national championship, but Paige and Alina together do that. That's where, you yeah. know, my brain starts to doubt whether it's totally done. Like, I'm not totally writing it off. I think probably at some point they just run out. But Gino has talked about, could this be like Diane in 03, where it's her and a bunch of players that know their roles really well and a couple of freshmen. It's not just a, uh, I want to say talk radio, but I guess podcast topic of comparing Paige to Diana. I think there are similarities in just that streak that they have to their game. So if anyone could do it, that's come through this program recently. It is paid. So yeah, that is also where I continue to just, I'm not totally giving up on them. I'm not out. I have doubts, but Paige keeps me on that ledge. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, I think it is important to, it's the combination of Paige and Aaliyah. You have you know, really, really good players there that, yeah, that's going to be enough a lot of, against a lot of teams in the country. And if you make it to a Final Four, I think this team needs a little bit more luck on your side. Maybe someone knocks out South Carolina, someone knocks out UCLA, somewhere else. I think we're going to see some of that, to be honest. I think the floor has lifted this year. I think there's not that big of a gap between the top and, you know, the the 20th best team in the country. So I, I do think we'll see some of that. So they're going to need a little bit more luck. And obviously it's a lot harder without Aubrey, but I, because of Paige, I'm not ready to count them out of it yet. And whoever ends up winning the national championship this year is going to need some luck. And that's been yeah. the case with. For a long time. <laughs> you could make an argument. Every team since Brian, like Brianna Stewart's senior year and junior year and sophomore year. They did not need any luck. They could have placed, played the Monstars, and they would have beaten them by 30. But her freshman year, Baylor getting knocked out by Louisville, yeah, that was the break they needed to go win that national championship. And, like, if we run through the years really quickly, South Carolina the year after Stewie, UConn gets knocked out against Mississippi. Is it Carly Samuelson or someone else on Stanford gets hurt in that national semifinal? So, open up for them. I mean, if they've placed UConn in that championship, UConn has five straight off a 30-point win, or maybe a 25-point win. And then the next year, Notre Dame, no. UConn had some shots that didn't fall at the end of that, at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime of the semifinal. Somehow, Marina Mabry doesn't get called for a fall with, what, 10 seconds left when she runs over Morgan William. That Baylor, Arike Gumbawale missed those two free throws at the end. That could have been it for them. Then, was that the last one before COVID? Yeah. 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 So we go 
post-COVID, didn't Arizona have a shot to win it at the buzzer in that yeah. championship game? And, look, I don't know details of this tournament run here. But, like, last year, Utah airballs a free throw and misses two when that probably should have been the ball game. They don't have to face one seed because Miami knocks them out. They play the easiest of the side of the final for bracket, and then they don't have to play South Carolina in the final because Iowa knocks them out. I mean, we're talking about South Carolina running back-to-back and maybe going for a three-beat this year if they don't lose to Iowa because I don't think they beat LSU by any means. So mm-hmm. you need luck to win a championship, and UConn probably needs a little more. But at the same time, my God, have they not earned a <laughs> a mountain's worth of luck considering the last three years? Not even talking about what's happened on the basketball court going back to the end of the Brianna Stewart era. They haven't gotten any luck in the tournament besides maybe – Stanford not showing up to that national semifinal, but injuries, games, they have not gotten any luck. So maybe it's all just saving up for this one year. And my God, they are going to be the luckiest goddamn national champions the world has ever seen, but they're still going to be national champions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're going to need luck, but I wouldn't quite count them out yet. And they play in Albany, uh, assuming that's where they end That's a... Yeah, which I think, I mean, it depends, right, what they do for the rest of the season. But right now, I feel like they're in a very good position to end up there right now. So that helps too, right? You're playing basically home until the Final Four. That's a big help. Yeah, and then, like, what if, I don't know, pick some random team. What if Creighton, like, builds on their Elite Eight run from, what was that, two years ago, <laughs> and makes the Final Four on the same side of UConn's bracket, and then UConn gets to <laughs> win by 35 points in the Final Four. I'm sorry, Creighton. I have nothing against Creighton. They were just the first, like, lower yeah. top 25 team to come to my mind. Or, like, what if UNC does that? Or, mm-hmm. you know, pick someone that doesn't actually, hasn't actually played UConn. But, like, that sort of team or... I feel like UConn would do pretty well against Utah. Yeah. Maybe. Like, there's there's yeah. a path, but... Yeah, it gets to a point where, like, matchups are everything and things like that, and, yeah, that's why you need luck, but there's there's a path, especially with Paige Beckers and Willie Edwards. Yeah, and you know what this year's South Carolina team really reminds me of? is that 2016-17 UConn team. The first year after Stewie where everyone thought it was going to be this big step back and then they go undefeated, they set the streak. But you just knew that whole season that it was going to get them and you just kept waiting for them to have that moment where they finally cracked. And they almost did against Tulane, but they didn't. And then they finally did against Mississippi. Not that I don't think South Carolina is a really good team, but they don't have a ton of experience there. It's a lot of new players. It's a lot of players that haven't been in these spots before. Is there a moment where it finally cracks? Like, does UConn, do, do they crack against UConn? And that's maybe what propels them? Or does it, if they get into the NCAA tournament undefeated, does it finally crack in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four Championship game somewhere? I think it's bound to happen eventually. And for their sake, it would probably be better if it happened 
against UConn or to like Vanderbilt in SEC mm-hmm. play or even LSU. But for UConn's sake, if they you, I think UConn should be rooting to go for South Carolina to go into the NCAA tournament undefeated. <laughs> I think that yeah. benefits them. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> no, it also benefits them to beat them in terms of where they're going to be seated. <laughs> sure, but yeah, is there really a whole a major difference between being the lowest two seed and being the highest three seed? You're going to be in Albany anyways. You're going to beat everyone you know, in your honestly I, in stores yeah. easily. Yeah, I'm more talking about in the, the bigger picture of things. I think there's a world where you win that South Carolina game and you are a one seed for this UConn team, but we can talk sure, about that at a later they, date. Yeah, Who even cares if you're a one seed or a two True. seed? I feel like everyone beyond one and two is like... If UConn ends up as a two seed in Iowa's bracket, then UConn should be throwing a party in stores. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> There's plenty of teams that I think, and I don't know. You're you're the bracketologist here, so maybe you could speak differently to it. But it, it's not like some of the teams in the top ten are all that impressive. Yeah, I think things are gonna move a lot, and I agree. But I still think as a one, you're playing a four theoretically in that Sweet Sixteen game, and I think the way the top is, like I would rather be playing a four than the, I think there's gonna be a two or a three in there that. Is probably, you know, came on late, is really good, and you might not want to see them before the regional final. Yeah, like, Virginia Tech should be a lot better than they've been, but they just beat NC State. Granted, an Mm -hmm. NC State team that was without one of its top players, but still, could they maybe be finally putting things together? Because watching them earlier in the year, they were not good. Yeah. Or maybe running into NC State again. If they drop a Yeah, something like NC State or, I don't know, like, I could see, like, a team like Stanford do struggle some in the Pac-12, but, like, you're still pretty good and, like, the Pac-12 is just a gauntlet. I don't, like, I think there's, and, like, that would be a bad matchup for UConn, right? Like, having uh, Cameron Brink and Kiki Arafat, they're going to have a really hard time with that, matching up yeah. with that. Or do you really want to see LSU? Like, yeah, not that I'm high exactly. on them, but I there's still not a team I want to run into because my God, right. they ever put all the pieces together. Yeah, I think there's a lot of situations like that where I think if like UConn gets the path to a one seed, and now you're talking about a four, and you're not talking about someone that's going to be in that two three group, you're just it's it's likely to be a better matchup. Yeah, that makes sense there. We've seen that Sweet Sixteen game be tough for them recently <laughs> too, and I say that forgetting that they got knocked out in the sweet 16 literally last year <laughs> but even before that i mean i think that ucla game up in yeah. albany then uh yeah i just think what else there was why is play? the ucla game the only one that is sticking in my brain <laughs> <laughs> from the last few years because <laughs> before that well you know why because it's before that we have to go to so it was Iowa. Oh, yeah. In the code year. Who was it? Oh, Indiana. Not that they had trouble with Indiana, but that wasn't an easy win by any means. Right. Down Bridgeport. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to have to pay it. to work out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're going to have to play some of those teams eventually, but I think just the later it is, the better. Right. Like, you never know where a Miami comes out of. And right. Exactly. 
you would rather play like let's let's look at some of these teams. Ah, oh, Miami receiving votes. Or like Maryland. If Maryland like just puts it all together for one game upset someone and then you can use to play him again, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so exactly. on the counter, like you don't want to be in Princeton's bracket by any means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's 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 gonna be teams on every seed line that you don't want to see that are gonna be there's gonna be mid major teams that are gonna be underseeded that you don't want to see, and there's gonna be just teams that are bad matchups, right? Like I think as we've talked about how thin this front court is, like there's gonna be teams that are a bad matchup for this UConn team that you don't want to see. Stanford's like a main one, but there's teams not as good as Stanford that are just gonna be a bad matchup too. Yeah. However, UConn may be one of those really good teams that's underseeded, and you're gonna have to play yes. them in Albany. Albany. I know a lot of this year has been talked about. Oh, UConn doesn't have that mystique anymore. You think any of these teams are going to want to see UConn in Albany? I mean, no. it's going to be everyone's going to be from two years ago all over again. Right. Yeah. Everyone's going to be looking at their bracket, praying that that's just that they're getting. Yeah. Especially if what we've seen the last month continues. And, you know, even if they don't beat South Carolina, like. They could not going beat to... South Yeah. South Carolina would still be a one seed, in my opinion. If they sure. were in another game. Yeah. And even like. You go down to South Carolina, you play a really good game, and you lose an overtime by three. Like, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. If you're if even if you're hanging with South Carolina, like you, you play three good quarters and then they kinda pull away at the end. Sure, whatever. That that probably does good for you. Or like last year's South Carolina game. Not that that ultimately helped that team. If anything, it kinda hurt them, but yeah. if you can just show that you belong on the court at, on the road against them. I don't think UConn is going to win that game. They could, sure, but I mean, we, can yeah, they put no, I don't think they are. ice on Aliyah's shoulders to guard Camilla Cardoso? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I agree. I don't think they're going to win that game, but I think they could win that game if Paige has some like unreal performance or something. Like it's yeah. possible. And it's not like they didn't outscore UCLA by a lot in two different quarters. Mm earlier this year so it's not like they can't play with ucla it's it's not a matter of can they hang with them i think it's just when it comes down to it the fourth quarter there's five possessions left aubrey griffin would have been there to get an offensive rebound that might have helped yeah. you win a two-point game and she might have had a steal and score that is the difference in a 68 66 win like that's where the margins come up that i wonder do they have enough or or maybe conversely, you can't grab an offensive rebound, and that ends up being the difference. Something like that. Yeah, I totally agreed. So we'll come back to this season for a second, but yes, <laughs> let's glance ahead to the future because Paige Beckers had a really interesting quote today when asked if not being able to play with AZ and you know now Aubrey being out could impact her decision to return and this is what she said how much of a factor is you know wanting to do something with az and with aubrey and the fact that both of them could be back next year does that make any difference to you at all yeah i think that's what it's all about it's not about teams in the draft who's got what pick it's all about 
me loving playing here, me loving my teammates and wanting to get more experiences and more time with them and more time in the program. Um, and so that's, I think, the deciding factor of just wanting to be here longer and not anything necessarily that's already picked and chosen in the draft. And I don't know if it's because I'm so deep into it and I'm reading it through my own lens where I've felt very confidently from things I've heard, things Paige has said, the entire situation. I felt very confident for a long time that Paige is going to come back, but I just cannot listen to that quote and read that quote without making it feel like, not that it is a firm 100% decision, but that it would take some major, major change for Paige not to be back next season. Yeah, I agree. It it seems like all signs are pointing to that is her plan and yeah, something could happen, sure, but I would say it's probably fair to assume that she's going to be back in store next season. And it makes sense, too. Even this year, like, I think this was, she decided this before the season even began, that she was planning to come back, but if she leaves after this year, injured or not, she's going to feel like she got robbed of a full college experience because her only full season to this point would have been COVID. Then she was hurt for two straight years. And then, you know, she got one more season to sign off, but especially now. Yeah. Okay. I came back and everyone else got hurt. So next year she'll have played three full seasons, half to three fourths of another, a whole NCAA tournament of another. That's a pretty solid college career. Five years. Mm -hmm. One of them, you were injured. She doesn't need to take the six years. It is crazy how she could, well, actually, no, not anymore. She could be here as long as AZ. Before AZ's injury, she could have been here longer than AZ. But regardless, come back, get a chance to play with AZ, get a chance to go for another national championship, regardless of if you do win this year or not. Next year, she's probably going to be the number one pick, assuming everyone we expect to go this year goes. So, who knows, like, what the draft could look like next year. If Minnesota, the Storm, and the, the Mercury are all terrible, and all of a sudden, it's going to be one of those three teams in for Paige instead of someone like the Fever just sitting there at number one. She probably feels a lot better about her future, too. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Even though she said that's not why, like, <laughs> I'm sure it's not totally out of her mind about where she might end up to so yeah i think it's it makes a lot of sense and like you said like her only real season so far has her full season so far has been a covid year which like isn't really the actual college basketball experience so it, it makes a lot of sense that she would want to spend another year in stores yeah and we will all be better off for it, it would be really fun again to have a season where we could just talk about Paige the basketball player, which at this point we can. Yeah. Uh, but like preseason, it was still about Paige's comeback, Paige's comeback, how she gonna play, how long is it gonna take the rest to knock off, and not to toot my own horn. I said that it was gonna take her some time to like get back into the mix, and by the new she'd be fine. And I feel very good about that impression right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cooking. She looks very good right now. Yeah, it's fun watching the best player in the country play on a nightly basis in Connecticut. Yeah, exactly. 
And yeah, so I think it's very fair to call her the best player in the country. She's so good. Yeah. I, mean, I know we've talked about her playing more of a post spot on defense, but I don't think maybe it has been appreciated. I just find it unbelievable that they just threw her at the four and said, like, just figure it out. This is your defensive <laughs> spot. And not only is she, like, functional there, she's been really, really good a lot of the times. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah. I think that's, like, the part of her game that's not getting enough attention. Like, yeah, everyone's talking about her efficiency and, like, her ability to score in a lot of different ways. But she is many of times UConn's best defender on the floor on a very good defensive team by any way you would look at the numbers. Like, and playing incredibly out of position. That's extremely impressive. And she started to do that before she got hurt as a sophomore. I still mm-hmm. really remember this game down at Seton Hall. She was getting her hands on everything that game. And she talked about how she was getting really proud of her defense and it had been an aim of hers. And she's not going to be the type of player like a Kia nurse where you go throw Kitty Alaksa still probably has nightmares about Kia Nurse. <laughs> she locked her up in those AAC battles. Paige is not going to be a lockdown defender, but you can still be a good defensive player by being disruptive, by forcing turnovers. I haven't seen enough of KK to say that she isn't a lockdown defender, but the way that KK forces so many turnovers on other teams, even if she's not directly the one creating it, you can be a really good defender that way. And I think Paige is really getting a sense of how to be disruptive on that end. So yeah, she can just keep going with that while playing the way that she has on offense. It's pretty good. Yeah. And it gets good players too. I thought it was really noticeable. Like in the Marquette game, like she was guarding Jordan King, Liza Carlin at times and able to do a good job at it. Like it, it, it's extremely impressive and something I think, not getting talked about enough in the like national discussion of where she's at. No, I mean, I think it's unlikely that she gets legitimate national player of the year consideration, right? I don't know. I feel like I just haven't seen much discussion about that period beyond everyone like salivating over Clayton Clark. So I'm really interested to see what that conversation looks like when it starts kind of happening more i feel like we're not really seeing it yet yeah i just i think it's gonna win it like i don't think Paige is gonna win it but there's gotta be at least a conversation and you would think she need she has to be a part of that conversation no, no no i agree i think she'll be in the conversation i think unlike fee a few years back as uh i reminded her <laughs> husband on twitter yesterday she's gonna be on those lists of finalists she's gonna be part of it I just don't think she's going to win it. That's more what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the Wade trophy gives it to her. Like maybe one of them just really feels strongly that it's Paige and she ends up with one of them. But I would be pretty surprised if she ended up as a national player of the year this year, just because Caitlin Clark won it last year is as good, if not, yeah. yeah, as good, if not better than she was last year. And look, I I can even admit admit this as not the biggest Caitlin Clark fan in the world, but my God, that buzzer beater that she hit was unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's a certain flair to her game that is 
can't wait to generate that award. And quite frankly, defense doesn't win you the National Player of the Year award. It's just not how it works. So, yeah. Yeah, so being a first-team unanimous All-American, though, in your first year back from injury, that's still pretty good. Being on those National Player of the Year list finalists. I'm curious if she ends up with any of those positional awards. She's on she what the in, but... she's on the shooting guard preseason list, so I believe that's where they'll leave her at this point. So that okay. means she's not competing. Yeah, I don't think they would change positions. I think they would leave it as is at this point. Um, so assuming she stays on that list, like then you're not competing with Caitlin Clark, who's going to be on the point guard list. So she probably has a decent chance at it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, a, I think, a perfectly fine haul. If Paige, like, this is this is not meant to sound as snarky as I think it's going to come off, but if Paige never gets injured, I think it, like, last year would have been really fascinating to see who ends up in the National Player of the Year if Paige is in there along with Aaliyah Boston. And then, like, this year, if these were two seniors that had both played their whole career and Paige isn't coming off injury... And is at not only the height of her powers, but has developed over the last two years, which I think really hasn't. Yeah, she's better than she was as a freshman, but she's not where she would be if she didn't get injured. Like, that would be, I think we're missing out. I think what I'm saying is, like, it sucks that we're missing out on that. Less than me bemoaning that Caitlin Clark's going to win it. I I have no problem with that. But it just sucks that we're not getting this, like, ultimate battle between the two over the course of an entire season. Yeah. Totally agree. Next year though, it's going to be what page and Juju for a national. Yeah. <laughs> page doesn't just do a one eighty. Yeah. Sounds like it. So that'll be fun. Yeah, indeed. All right. So back to this year, <laughs> it has been three games since we podcasted. We always say we're going to podcast around the holidays and it doesn't happen. And then we're like shocked Pikachu face. But they kill Marquette in their first game back. They obliterate, I mean, just an unholy beatdown of Creighton, a 44-point win on the road. And then a comfortable win over Georgetown that they had to gut it out a little more than years past. But... What did you see from those games that you feel has been a common thread and something that this team can really hang their hat on going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, especially in the first two, you know, pre-Auburn getting injured, was there was a concern of, like, okay, they're rolling and now you're going into this holiday break and what happens when they come back and they just picked up where they left off and kept making strides forward. And I think... That was the biggest thing you had to look for the, for this team coming back from that break. And then I think it's a lot of the same things that we saw in those games before. So things like they're forcing turnovers to get easy buckets, and that's making the offense just turn so much easier and really feeling them kind of running up and down the floor. Yeah, yeah. It's not only that they didn't get stopped by the Christmas break, it almost heightened their powers. Yeah. With the way they, they've they come out afterwards. Because they were blowing out 
like bad teams. Great. Uh-huh. They beat Butler by 30. They beat TMU by 30. Louisville was a good win. But to just take it to Marquette and Creighton the way that they did. I I don't think we've had what a week since that Creighton game. I I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that might be the best game that that this team has played in like 4 or 5 years. Yeah, that was just Creighton is a good team, right? Like this isn't the same Creighton team that we've seen for the last three years, basically. Like they're gonna stay in the top twenty-five mostly. They're probably gonna give someone a scare in the NCAA tournament that doesn't expect them to get that scare. Like they're a good team, so to take it to that like that on the road, that was incredibly impressive. Yeah, I that whole Creighton game. That's also what was so brutal about Aubrey's injury is yeah. all season, the last three years, there have been so few positive and happy moments. And when they've happened, they've been really far and few between. And for a lot of that Creighton game, it felt like it was going to be just such a fun celebration and just a really fun win. And then boom, she goes down and all of a sudden there's... There's nothing that you can even be happy about from it because you just lost another one. Yeah, I think it really overshadowed like how good of a win it was and also just like the momentum of the team, obviously, because it takes a huge hit with her going down. I think you're like looking at a team, if Aubrey doesn't go down in that game, where you're like, okay, this team is way better than it was at Texas. Like, world's better than it was at Texas. Like, you're talking about, is this team going to win a national championship? And then that happens and it just takes such a hit to where their kind of trajectory was going. And I don't know, my mind, probably a lot of people's minds. Just the job that this coaching staff has done because hand up. I, I thought they might be toast after Texas. I really did. I, I was finally at the point where I was like, Oh my God, they're broken. Like this is it. It took, it took three years, but they're actually broken and I don't really know where they go from here because they are so injured and they are so lost. And to just flip it in a month yeah. to look like one of the best teams in the country. And not only that, like, again, I really don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say this. And I'm really not trying to be. But they were looking as good as they have looked at an, not at any point in the past three years, but for a stretch mid-season during the past three years and i think part of it is because page goes down okay four to six weeks they'll get page back we just got to figure it out until page gets back az goes down i think it was similar four to six weeks all right let's just hold it down until az gets back oh az's back oh az's hurt again all right well she'll be back let's just figure it out until then everyone who's done is done us like i assume with aubrey it really seems like it's trending that way with caroline but they're not holding their breath and waiting for those players to come back. And even if they do come back, they are not the focal point of the team the way that Paige and AZ were. And you're also not rotating players in and out every single game the way that you were with Dorka's broken thumb. Or, you know, Nika was out as a sophomore and AZ missing time as a freshman. Or just like little bumps and nicks taking players out for two, three games and then they come back and you're constantly trying to figure it out. They know exactly who they have and who they have to play with right now. And I think that continuity is really, really helping. And that's why it's starting to look so good. So I like, 
I think Don Staley's probably going to win coach of the year. And I'm not saying that's undeserved. Gino should be at least be in consideration for it because this has been pretty phenomenal the way that they've put it together, especially with so many freshmen. Agreed. And yeah, I would have no problem with Don winning it this year. Clearly, like South Carolina has far exceeded what people expected from them this year. But yeah, Gino absolutely has to be in that conversation because the the turnaround in quite literally a month is startling. God, this is like a backwards podcast. I've been so nice to my list of enemies today. <laughs> I said I'd be scared to play LSU. Caitlin Clark was incredible, and Don Staley should be coach of the year. <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> Truly. I guess it's opposite day or something, but yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it was me, too, that was saying at the start of the year, like, when injuries started happening, like, ah, oh, we got 40 years of seeing why we shouldn't be all that concerned. And then Texas, Texas really threw me off my rocker, but yeah. Now I like, like, look, there's a limit. If they're starting Nash in the NCAA tournament, then I will be concerned. Yeah. But if this is the group that they take into the tournament, then, you know, Maybe I'll count count them out eventually, but they won't go down without a fight. Agreed. Yeah. And I think one other thing that's worth mentioning is Ice Brady is they really need her without mm-hmm. Aubrey Griffin. They really need a backup to Aaliyah. And she has not been a world beater, but at least in terms of the eye test, she has looked a lot better recently. He said Creighton was the best game she's played this past week has probably been her best week. She's at least showing some assertiveness and some assertiveness and it's just out there making plays and playing hard. So she, she still has a long way to go. They still need a lot out of her. It, it's not enough just to not be bad out there, but I think that's a really good place for her to start right now. And as much as most of this podcast, I've just talked about, well, let's not look at till March. Let's just talk about what this team is right now. Actually, that's a lie. We had a whole segment talking about March. Yeah. But, <laughs> like if we look ahead for one player and what they could be, I don't really care what they get out of ice on a day-to-day basis. But if the arrow is continually pointing upwards, and that's a good sign. And then if you can get her to the point by, like, let's say mid-February where, okay, she's had some games. Like, right now her career high in points is five. Let's start with getting her into double digits one day and start with her consistently getting more than, like, around five rebounds a game and all those sorts of things. Like, don't need her to be an All-American right now, but just be something, and that's a good place to start. Yeah, exactly. I think whatever they can get from her is going to be an asset at this point, and if it starts trending in the right direction, that's going to help a lot. Well, on that note, that is going to do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. Not an all-that-exciting week coming up for the Huskies. They have Providence at the XL Center on Wednesday, then St. John's down at UBS Arena, the New York Islanders Arena in New York. Obviously, St. John's pulled off the upset last year, but I don't imagine those will be anything all that crazy. 
So we'll be back before they head down to Seton Hall on January 17th. So on that note, thanks for listening. We'll see you then.